Hey, so I want to thank everybody for praying for my daughter and new grandson. His name's Oliver. Same, yeah, Oliver. Seems like Grace is naming people from the Wallace family because her first son's name's Charlie. And then her second son is Charlie's grandson, Ryan's son, Oliver. But, you know, let me tell you how they came up with the name. They had seven names picked out. Of course, they weren't ready to name him because he wasn't supposed to be born until the end of January. And so he was born yesterday. And so they were talking about the names, and they went down to see him in the play. He's, he's in this little plastic, looks like a doghouse. That's what it looks like. But they keep him in there for, for a few, you know, for a couple months. And so they were, the nurses asked him, what's his name? They said, well, we haven't decided yet. What have y'all been calling him? They said, we've been calling him Oliver. <laughs> and they had already picked out Oliver as one of the time. And they said, his name's Oliver. So, yeah. What does Oliver mean? Peace. Bringer of peace. So, yeah, amen. And so that was great to get to see that. Thank you. Let me tell you this great story. I've got to tell you this story. So I'll get home Friday night. We had the meeting here. It was really awesome. And I went to bed, and about 12 o'clock, I get this phone call. I thought, I'm not answering that phone. Then they called twice, and it was Becky. Like, if you want to see this baby born, you need to come on right now. I'm like, oh, no, Lord. I don't want to come on right now. It's 12 o'clock. I just got to sleep. So I went back upstairs and thought, I think I'm just going to lay down for a minute. Next thing I know, I'm laying there, and of course I went to sleep soundly, and all of a sudden I start hearing this conversation. It sounded like several people down in my living room, and it woke me up, and I'm thinking, who the heck is in my living room? At, it was 5 o'clock in the morning, and it's kind of scary, right? I mean, it sounded literally like, and I thought, good, and so I got up, and the conversation ended, and... I went downstairs just to check, scared, you know, like, well, I hope nobody's down here going to get me. And I knew right then the Lord had sent angels, or the angels are there. They just was, he was letting me hear them to get me there. So I get to the, you know, it's a two-hour drive to Duke Hospital. I get there, and I walk in, and I see Grace. I talk to her for a few minutes, and then I get to pray for her. And then the doctor comes in and said, we need to check her. So, you know, you had to leave the room. And then next thing I know, they're rolling her out to go deliver the baby. And so I was really blessed, and she was too, to get to go and talk to her, even though I got to sleep and nobody else did. But I was really happy for that. <laughs> in fact, I thought, boy, I'm in so much trouble. <laughs> Becky's going to be mad at me for not coming. And I, she asked me, are you coming? I was in the parking lot. I said, I'm here. I said, then I told her I decided to rest a little bit. She said, well, that was a good call. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, mercy. Yes, mercy. <laughs> That's right. That's what I was thinking. Because I was dreading getting there. Like, oh, she's going to be mad. So the Lord's good, and we're thankful that the Lord took care of Josiah, who had that terrible thing that happened to him. His appendix busted. And, you know, it's rough seeing, what, five-year-old? Later, you know, in so much pain, he was having to take morphine, and uh, still is, because the infection got all into his organs, and when they went in and took all that stuff out, they had to, I guess, clean everything out, and, you know, nobody, if somebody touches your liver, you're going to be sore, even if it's a doctor, right? 
But the Lord's good, amen, and I just appreciate the, you know, Jacob was up there prophesying, uh, the Lord's going to heal your past. Did y'all get that? The Lord is going to heal your mind, your, your thinking, your mind. Did y'all get that? And it's a new beginning. And I think that was the word of the Lord for people in here, if you will receive it. That's God's offer to you this morning. Heal your past, heal your mind, a new beginning in your life. Amen? Amen. And that can be so if you'll just believe it and agree with the Lord. Okay? You need to say, Lord, I agree with that. You're going to heal my past, Lord. You're healing my past. You're healing my mind. And I have a new beginning in my life. I declare that over my life. Over my family, my job, my friends, river life, anybody I love, and even some people I don't really love. <laughs> Get them in on it, Lord, right? Ooh, thank you, Lord. But the Lord's good. So, anyways, let me just try to give you this message, although this is sort of the, to me, the anticlimactic part of the service. I think it's awesome what they're going to do. With the, you know, awesome what we're going to do, not they're going to do. We, we, we're going to help these people, okay? And uh, just ask the Lord about that. Uh, probably one of those kind of words, you know, like someone once said, you just, God needs to tell you no. Just if, so if you don't get a no, just help them. Right? That's dangerous theology, by the way. But Jesus did say go into all the world. He didn't ask you if, whether you should give an opinion on it. <laughs> all righty. Anyways, I'm going to tell you something. Here's something you need to, if you will be, if you will stick with, with the heart of the Lord. If, and when you can't stick with it, trust him that he can keep you when you can't keep yourself. Okay, because you'll look back in your life and you'll find there was times you couldn't hang on, but he hung on. Uh, but don't take your life into your own hands. Don't make decisions because you're uncomfortable with your situation or you don't like your situation. That's not a good, those are not good answers. Because if you'll let the Lord have his way, you'll look back down the road and you'll be thankful that you didn't take your life into your own hands and make choices apart from what he's saying. You really will. You really be, you'll be thankful. You'll, you'll get on your knees and say, Lord, thank you because I was about to make a terrible decision, a terrible choice because it was uncomfortable. I didn't like it. I didn't like the way things were going. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I know. Trust me. <laughs> All right, so let me just um, talk to you this morning. I'm going to do this in 30 minutes, 31 minutes. I promise you. Last week I started talking to you about entering the mind or uh, entering the heart of the Lord. Uh, that's what the book of Ruth really is an awesome picture of how uh, we can walk in to intimacy with the Lord. You know, you know what you find uh, in your Christian life, if you hang in there long enough with it, is there are going to be seasons in your life when, thing, when you're going to wrap yourself around things and embrace things that are wonderful and awesome. Uh, you, it, it could be your calling. It could be a move of God. It could be uh, an anointed business. It, it could be a, uh, an anointed relationship. 
And, and so that's what humans do. We attract, we're attracted to these things and, and we connect ourselves with these things. But what always happens, let me just say, is it always, and the sun rises and sets, right? The tides come in, the tides go out. Sooner or later, there's going to be an ebb on that thing. Sooner or later, the thing that was so precious to you and sweet in your life, you know what I'm talking about, it doesn't feel so precious and sweet to you anymore. Do you know what I'm saying? There's been many revivals, many moves of God that mankind has experienced, that we've experienced. Every one of them so far, they came a day when they ebbed. Okay? They came a day when they ebbed. Here's what the sad thing is. Many people, they do well. They do well when the, when the life is on it, when the joy is on it, when the glory is on it, when the peace is on it. But when it begins to ebb, they begin to not do well within themselves. Do you know what I'm talking about? You may be one of those people this morning. If you've ever experienced something like that, you'll know what I'm talking about. And so what happens is, is, is the thing, here's the thing, you've got to understand, you're attracted to the life that's on those things. That's what it is. That life that's on them things attracts you. And that's why you love it so much. That's the way that's, God has created us that way. We're, as believers, you have life in you, and that life in you is attracted to life. And so that's, that's and, but what happens is in our minds we begin to build these expectations of the way things be, and when they don't work out the way we think they should, we're crushed in our hearts because we've tied ourselves to something, maybe something of God. You know what I'm saying? But God himself is not really the thing we've been tied to. We've been tied to the thing of God. You know, like a great revival would be awesome, wouldn't it? To see God just move in powerful ways, you know? And just to be like this ongoing move of God in the earth. And you would love that. But what would you do when it came to an end? When we were born again, we were born again into a move of God. And when it came to an end, we were like dumbfounded, really, because we'd always been in a move of God. And we just couldn't really sort of like, what happened? I mean, is this what Christianity's like? Apart from a move of God, if, you know, in our minds, like if that's so, we're not sure about Christianity all of a sudden. Because apart from that life that we felt, we didn't really like it. You know? <laughs> but fortunately, you know, by the grace of God... We, you know, kept our relationship with the Lord. And that's really the thing that God wants to teach us. And I think that's what the book of Ruth teaches us, is how not to have this surface thing with God, but how to really go after the Lord himself. And no matter what season you are in your life and what season the Spirit's in and what season things are going on in your life, that you have something with God that carries you through that. And in the, in the awesome times when God's moving, you can benefit from it and enjoy it. But when he begins to ebb, you still have him. You have not lost him. You don't become a negative, critical, old, what I call sourpuss Christian. And you begin to drift from God because your heart's broken because God didn't do for you what you thought he should do. So you're angry with him and you're disappointed with him. You're disappointed in the church. And there's many Christians like that out there that are really hurt right now, that have, been, have experienced moves of God, have experienced the hand of God, the favor of God on them, 
And now they're sort of displaced and have this cynical thing towards the Lord, a cynical thing towards the move of God. Am I talking to anybody? And that's not really how God wants us to be. He doesn't really want us to fall into those traps. You know, where our theology about God is built on our bad experience. Right? And that's what everybody does. We build this ridiculously foolish theology based on our ridiculously foolish experience instead of based on what the Scripture really teaches and the nature of God. Are y'all following these? And that's really what the book of Ruth tries to convey. It just screams it out if you'll really look at it. It's shouting out to people that this woman starts with nothing. She was impoverished. She was a Moabite. She was a reject. And she went into a, a, a people who she was rejected. Even the law of God had rejected her. She had no right to be there. She was a disappointment at best. You know? But it ends, really the story ends with her in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. That's the story. And so that's why I say it shouts out to us that there's something in it because she was a person who went from just being impoverished to not just having her needs met but marrying this man, Boaz, who's a type of Christ and who took her into himself and made Ruth, Ruth because without Boaz, Ruth wouldn't be Ruth. If she, and without Boaz marrying her, she would just be a woman that God had mercy on, that God met her needs. And that's what I shared a little bit with you last week, is there's four places in the book of Ruth. Do y'all remember that? There's, some people do, thank you, Lord. Four places in the book of Ruth that Boaz shows up. Number one, he shows up in the harvest field. Number two, he shows up at the threshing floor. Number three, he shows up at the gates of the city. And number four, he shows up in the bedroom with Ruth. And that's why the genealogy of Jesus Christ, that's, that's what he was doing. And so to me, those are like steps or, or the process that God brings every Christian through or desires to bring Christians through. That's why there's a world of Christianity out there that shows up in the harvest field. And they get their needs. It says that she, was, she got refreshment there. She got food there. She got protection there. Even Boaz was speaking identity to her and saying, please stay in my field. Please be with me. Stay here with me. But the end of, of chapter 2 of Ruth, it says, she stayed there in the field with Boaz through the harvest of, of the barley harvest and the wheat harvest, but she went home to her mother-in-law every night. And it's like Christians who live their lives, their compartmentalized Christian life. They're Christians, they're saved. God has touched them. They enjoy God. They get from God. God loves them. They experience a measure of that. They experience a measure of their identity. Okay, a measure. Just a measure though. And they think, they're deluded to think this is all. That's why, you know, you hear people say this is true is we don't go to church, we bring church with us. The truth is, though, most of Christians go to church. It's like they're going to the field. They're not bringing the field with them, you know, because they stopped just at that. That's, that's as far as they went. 
Now, that's an awesome thing. Don't get me wrong. I'm thankful for that. God made, that, made it that way, but he didn't make us to stop that way. He didn't make us to stop there just having our knees met, just, just getting touched. Man, I'm telling you, I got touched in the worship this morning. Did you? I really love that. I really love when the presence of the Lord comes and God just starts doing what he does. But you know what? Where, what's, where's that going to be Tuesday afternoon in my life? I need to be carrying something myself. I need to be carrying what he was doing here in me everywhere I go in my life. And I need to learn how to live all out of that. But you can't do it if you're just coming to get all the time. So I just want to encourage you, don't stop at the harvest field. As awesome as the harvest field is. As awesome as it is. All right, the second place he shows up, I hope you read the book of Ruth. It's only four chapters. And it's really a, a really joyous book to read. I think I shared with you, used to be when I would have trouble reading the Bible. By the way, I don't have that trouble anymore because I learned these little secrets about the spiritual realm that doesn't, I don't have pro, Bible pro, reading problems. But used to be when I did, the book of the Ruth was always one I would go and read that would ignite something in my heart. Like, oh yeah, that and First and Second Samuel just like grip, grip your hearts. You know, and just sort of refire the passion for the Word of God in you. That there's a real God and He's talking through these pages on this book. Well, this, this threshing floor thing is pretty intense. That's uh, the next place that, let's read that Ruth 3. That kind of sounds bad to me, right, threshing? Does anybody want to get threshed? I mean, like, uh, I don't think I want to be doing no threshing for, for thing. I don't think I like that sound of that, God. Let me just read this thing in verse, Ruth 3, 1 through 12. It says, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, now listen, think about Naomi like this, right here, in this part of the book, as the Holy Spirit. And this is what the Holy Spirit's always doing with people. He's not going to settle for where you're at. He's not going to settle for where. I don't care where you are spiritually. He is not happy with it. He's not satisfied like he was saying. And I'm not saying unhappy in a negative way. He's just saying there's more for you. God has more. The Father has more. You've only touched it. You put your finger, your toe in the, in the uh, ocean. That's all you've done. I've got to get you out there where it's really deep. And that's really what he was saying uh, through Naomi. My daughter, shall I not seek security for you? Although Ruth was protected in the field, she wasn't a secure person. She was an insecure person. Okay? That's, and see, every person on this planet needs security. God's wanting to make us secure. Make us secure in who we are. Make us secure in this world we live in. Even though the world's an insecure place, He wants to make us secure as people. This is really important here. Uh, that it may be well with you. Isn't that awesome? That's the heart of the Father for everybody. I want it to be well with you. I want your life to go well. God does not want your, your life to go bad. He's not interested in that. There's bad moments, but that's not what He's in. He's wanting, a, he's wanting you to have an awesome life, that it may go well with you. Because she'd already went through some bad stuff. How many people have gone through some bad stuff in this room this morning? I mean bad stuff. Stuff you wish you don't even want to think about. Stuff that makes you want to cry if you really think. You've already done it then. You don't need to keep going through some real bad. doesn't mean you're not going to have bad stuff in the future, but you're done with what you went through. It's time for you to get free and, be, and life to be well for you. 
You know, you can't live in a season of bad stuff. If you do, you're going to be messed up. God wants to bring you into a, a new season. And Now, Boaz, whose young women you were with, is he not our relative? Now, notice what she said. The women, his, his women who you were with. In other words, she didn't say you were with Boaz. You were in his field. You get that? There's a big difference. See, you can be with the people of God but not be with the Lord himself. I'm just going to tell you that right now. There's a difference. Now, we get some of God himself through other people. I'm not suggesting we don't be with the people of God. In fact, I think that's really important. But there's something, if that's all you're doing, then you didn't, you didn't mess, you're missing the best part. You know, now I know God will always require us to be with other people because the Bible says don't forsake that. Don't forsake, don't disconnect from the body of Christ. Don't disconnect from the believers. You need those people. But you need some, somebody else more. I, I believe this. Uh, in fact, he is winning, winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Therefore, wash yourself and anoint yourself and put on your best garments and go. Everybody say, go down. Yeah. See, that's why the threshing floor, like, oh, go down. Oh. Well, if, you know, threshing floors were physically located in a lower elevation at that time because of the wind that they were trying to tap into to get. Because when they winnowed, they would take some kind of thing and beat the barley. It sounds rough, don't it? And beat the barley, just beat it. Sort of, sort of what I'm doing with the, the scripture. I'm just beating them. And then they throw it up in the air and the breeze blows and separates the, sh the chaff from the real kernel. Okay? Well, it's kind of a picture of what happens to us at the threshing floor. But it's not necessarily negative. It's not like a bad beating. You know? You know the story, It Hurts So Good, the song, It Hurts So Good? Y'all heard that song, right? Come on, baby, It Hurts So Good. Sometimes love doesn't feel like it should. It hurts so good. Well, that's the way God is sometimes. Like, this is love? <laughs> I would hate to see you if you're mad. <laughs> sometimes you feel that way, but it all works out good. So, uh, then it, okay. Put the breast on it. Go down. You know, he says, uh, but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. That's interesting, isn't it? Then it shall be when he lies down that you shall take notice the place where he lies and you shall go in and uncover his... This is sounding pretty risky, right? Risque, right? Like, you know, this guy's going to lay down. I want you to go get in bed with this guy. That's what it sounds like, right? I mean, it sounds that way. I'm just telling you. I don't, maybe you're too righteous to read the Bible like that, <laughs> you know? But I, I'm just telling you, this don't, when I'm thinking about like this, dang... I wouldn't tell my daughter to go do that with a guy on any day of the week. In fact, I would tell her, if that guy even gets near you, I'll kill him. I didn't want my kids, you know, don't, Grace, don't marry any of these guys. Well, she did, but anyways. One day, I was out in the backyard, and Becky raised the window and said, there's a young man coming to see you. I said, what does he want? She said, you know what he wants. It was Michael Fulton wanting to come to ask me to marry Grace. And I was thinking, I don't want him to marry her. I don't want nobody to marry her. <laughs> but, you know, that's how daddies think. It's kind of a daddy thing. I was, after I wore him out for a while, I finally said, yes, you can marry him. Well, let me just tell you this other thing. Okay? 
When I wanted to marry Becky, this is no lie. When I wanted to marry Becky, this is what I did. I went to her dad, and I said, Mr. Davis, I want to marry Becky. I love her. Can I marry her? Will you bless me marrying her? He said, yeah, totally. Absolutely. Let's go in and tell her mom. I think, oh, no, don't tell her mom. <laughs> so we go in to see Miss Davis, and, and he wants me to tell her. Gosh, Miss Davis, Becky and I are going to get married. What? No, you're not. <laughs> and Mr. Davis, I said, well, Mr. Davis said we could. No, he didn't. <laughs> this is right. She did not want me marrying Becky. She wanted Becky to marry a musician. <laughs> that's the truth. She didn't care. It, that's all she cared about. I wanted her to marry. She wanted her to marry a musician. <laughs> So I was in the hole bad, man. But I had Mr. Davis's blessing. And that was all that mattered to me because I said, we're doing it because he said we could. <laughs> and I got out of there. I real fast let Becky talk to her. So it all worked out, though. Finally, she did like me. It took a while, you know. So anyways, so lie down, get at his feet, and then he will tell you what you should do. And she said to her, all that you say to me, I will do. Now, I think that's really what God is, wants to, when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, He wants us to do this. He wants us to do all that He says we can do. You know, all. Yesterday I saw a man who looked like he had been in a wreck and had disabilities from the wreck. And he was a younger man, he was a black man, looked like being in his 40s. And I was looking at him, you know, he could tell his mobility was hindered. And I said, Lord, why don't you heal that man? And the Lord said to me, why don't you heal him? And I said, because well, I can't heal him, Lord. And this is, dude, these people here hate Christians. But why don't you heal him? Why don't you pray for him? So he'll get healed. You know? And see, when the Holy Spirit tells us something like that, we just need to do it. Forget what everybody else is thinking. Just sort of grit your teeth and like, oh, I hope nobody sees. And, sir, can I just talk to you just one minute? And, <laughs> you know, and pray for them. Just pray a really good, loving prayer over their whole lives. You know, and then let the, don't try to make no scene. Just do that and let the Lord do, do what he does. And the Lord will heal them, I believe. Okay. So she went down to the threshing floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law instructed her. And after Boaz had eaten and drunk, and it sounded like he was getting, and his heart was cheerful, he was in a good mood, right? <laughs> you know what it says? That these guys would go down there and get loaded. If you read history, they would just go down there and get loaded because they were half so happy. You know, they were a bunch of guys having a good time, threshing their stuff, you know. <laughs> so he was loaded somehow. And, but he was a type of Christ. And you know, the Lord just, just is a happy guy. <laughs> and he went and he lay down at the end of the heap of grain, and she came softly. She was kind of, you know, handling this thing. Uncovered his feet and lay down. Now it happened at midnight that the man was startled and turned himself, and there a woman was lying at his feet. That would scare you, like if you was a guy, and like, oh, what's going on? And he said, who are you? And she answered, I'm Ruth, your maidservant. Now listen. She proposed to him, take your maidservant under your wing for you're a close relative. And that's really what she was doing. She was proposing to Boaz, okay? 
Boaz had already invited her into his field. He had already invited her into her life. Okay? And she accepted it to a level. But now here she is saying to Boaz, listen, I want something more out of this relationship. Okay? That's what she was saying. I want something more out of this relationship. I don't want you just to tend my needs. Are y'all following that? In fact, it's... Huh? Yeah, more than just provision. In fact, Boaz, this is what I'm proposing. We get married, and I'll help you run the fields. You know, I'll help be in charge of the fields. That's what she was saying. I want to, I want in. I want in. I want in on more. I don't want just to be a Sunday Christian or compartmentalized Christian. I want the whole package. I want everything there is that's available. I want to find out about it, and I want it. Okay? Now, that's really what God's calling people to. He's calling us out just to get out of the harvest field and get in. But we have to go down to this threshing floor to do it. And see, He's waiting on us. He's already saved us. He's already reached out to us. God has already done those things for us. His heart's open to you and I. He's waiting on us to make this next move towards Him. Okay? And He uh, said, you know... Blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter. So he was happy about that, for you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning. See, he was saying, listen, this is, this is big, what you're doing here. And he knew it. And that you did not go after young men, whether poor or rich. <laughs> you went after the old guy who just happened to be rich. <laughs> and now, my daughter, do not fear... I will do for you all that you request for all the people of the town that you're a virtuous woman. Now, it is true that I'm a close relative. However, there's a relative closer. That's another thing. So, um, I think here's, you know, the key. It was at the midnight hour, okay? Y'all heard of the, the dark night of the soul? Everybody heard of that? Well, I guess what? If you hadn't, let's help you here. There's a dark night of your soul. There's a day of decision in people's lives where you are going to have to listen to what the Holy Spirit says, where he's saying, listen, I need you to go further in this life. There's something more for you that God has. But you're going to have to go down a little bit. You know, you're going to have to take some risk a little bit. You're going to have to be, uh, uh, you know, put yourself where people could misunderstand you. You know, your friends may reject you. They might not like you anymore because suddenly you have begun on fire for God and you're like a different person. You know, you're not that nominal Christian no more, that one foot in the world or one foot in, in, the, in the kingdom kind of person. You, suddenly you're making a decision. Every Christian will have to make that decision on one day. You, you know, God will come after you. Now, if you don't make the decision, He will leave you alone, okay? There's people out there in the world who want in to the kingdom. There's actually Christians who want to go back out in the world and dabble. It really is. There's Christians that are dabbling in the world. And when you do that, all the glory and color of who you really are, when you start dabbling, that color starts fading on you. And you become gray like the world. And, and if you stay, if you dabble long enough, you'll become dark like the world. And see, that's really what we can't do. We can't allow ourselves to dabble in this world. We have to say, no, we're going all in with the kingdom of God. So getting, 
the midnight hour, the dark night, so getting at his feet, that speaks of humility. Right? And that's where God really calls us. And, it's, and in verse 10, where she made this proposal to the Lord, she, made, she initiated with him because he'd already initiated. And I'm going to say, everybody in this room, God's already initiated something with you. He's waiting on you to initiate back. He's waiting on you to say, yes, Lord. Well, I only have a couple more minutes, so I'm not really finishing this message today, but that's okay. I did want to say one thing that I feel like is important before I finish, though. And the reason, maybe it doesn't speak to anybody else in this room, but it's been something that has really helped me in my life, okay? It's sort of a little testimony. Is the thing that happens at the threshing floor is God will go after the thing in you, okay? The thing in you. If you will let him, he'll go after that thing that's deep in you that's going to hold you back. Because everybody has issues in their life, okay? When you, that's the, the breaking of the outer husk off and getting down to the kernel. And see, that's what happens at the threshold. See, there's things in us that, that, that bind us, bind our mind, bind our thinking. And everybody has those things. You know, a long time ago, the Lord revealed to me what my thing was. I didn't think it was something that most people suffered with until a couple few weeks ago. Um, it's uh, low self-esteem. Okay, low self-esteem. Anybody know what I'm talking about, low self-esteem? Uh, I read this article and that really talked about low self-esteem. It was by a person, a man named Mark Malding. Anybody know who Mark Malding is? He's from, in Charlotte from Grace Life International. Uh, and this is, I was going to read a couple of things to you that he said that I thought was profound. He says, researchers tell us that 80 to 85% of people around the world suffer from low self-esteem. I was shocked when I read that. Like, seriously? I think most of us believe that those who have money, fame, and a winning personality are exempt from this. See, I didn't have any of those things, so I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking all those people. However, when interviewed, some of the most famous people surprised us with candidness about their struggle with self-esteem. Demi Moore. Y'all know who Demi Moore is? She's an actress lady, you know, pretty famous in movies and stuff. In a 2012 interview of Harper's, Harper's Bazaar, which is a magazine, this is what she said. What scares me is that I'm going to ultimately find out at the end of my life that I'm not really lovable. That I'm not worthy of being loved that there's something fundamentally wrong with me and that I wasn't wanted here in the first place. Isn't that amazing? Now, you wouldn't think that about Demi Moore, but there's a lot of Christians that feel that way, and I was one of them for years. I didn't feel lovable. I, did, I felt like there was something wrong with me. I remember as a young Christian going to church and looking at everybody there, how they worshiped the Lord, how they loved the Lord, and I didn't feel any of that. I felt there's something wrong with me. What's wrong with me? I felt like I didn't measure up. And I felt like I would never measure up. I felt like it was, like she said, there's something wrong with me. That's what I felt. There's something wrong with me. And, and what it made me want to do is push all that away. Push Christianity away. Push people away. Push being worshipful and expressive to the Lord away. Because I was an introvert. You know? 
And maybe you want to just reject all that. But by the grace of God, I didn't. Will Smith said, just remember Will Smith, the, the black guy, he's funny. He said, I still, doubt myself, I still doubt myself every single day. What people believe is my self-confidence is actually my reaction to fear. That's what Will Smith said. I read an uh, article, uh, Jennifer Lopez, in the last two weeks, was on television. And she said, I grew up not feeling like I measured up. And everything I did in my life was to measure up. That's why I excelled at everything. It was to make people love me. Because I didn't feel lovable. And those are movie stars. Low self-esteem, this is, is a thinking disorder, this is Mark's words, in which an individual views him or herself as inadequate, unlovable, and or incompetent. We conclude that we're simply not as good as other people, not in a moral sense, but in the realm of lovability. Now, I'm telling you something, 80 to 85% in the world people feel this way. So this is what it all comes down to. Do we believe in our hearts that we're lovable? Do we really believe that? Do we believe in our hearts that we're lovable? How we determine whether we're lovable is the difference between a good self-esteem or a low self-esteem. That part, is that speaking to anybody? Or are y'all that 15 or 20% of people that didn't have this problem? And here's what I want to tell you. Only God the Father can convince you that you're lovable. Only God the Father. Demi Moore to this day doesn't feel lovable. And she's rich. She was pretty one time, you know. She may still be, I don't know. But you know what I'm saying. Famous. She had everything the world would say. But she didn't feel, she felt like there's something wrong with her. Will Smith, same thing. Something's wrong with me. You know? You see, what God does, I believe, at the threshing floor, one of the things He does is He goes after that thing in us that's telling us that we don't measure up, we're not good enough, and we're not going to make it. Because I promise you, when Ruth walked away from that place, she knew without a question in her mind that she was very lovable. Because Boaz said, yeah, I want you. I'll do whatever I can to get you. And you see, that's what God the Father wants to convince us. And that's why it takes a going down. It takes a getting... I can appreciate... This person saying to the world, I don't feel lovable, when a lot of Christians have deluded themselves and refuse to acknowledge it. They won't get to the real truth about themselves. They sit back with their smug attitudes, thinking they're going to be all right, and it's not going to be all right. It's not going to be all right, okay, because your heart will never let it be all right. It's going to be all right when you let the Father have His way, when you let Him do what He has to do in your life. Put His hand on that place in you that makes you feel unlovable. And when you do, when you, that's when you can begin to experience His love in a sustainable way. Because with me, I had experienced His love, but it was unsustainable. I would experience His love, but it seemed like it would always go away. And it was like I was a drug addict. Like, i got to go get another fix. i got to go to church so I'll feel loved. i got to get somebody to pray for me so I'll feel loved. It was, there was a hole in me. For years I went that way. I knew God loved me, but it, did, it wasn't a reality in me until I let Him begin to address that. When I began to let Him speak to that in me, 
and tell me that is not the truth. Those people are not better than you, Byron. They don't love me more than you love me. They're, we're all, they're no different from you. And when he began to speak to me about that, and I let him begin to heal those things in me, that's when I had a dramatic life turn. My life changed. Everything shifted for me. And that's what the Father wants to do for everybody. That's why I believe in the book of Ruth, up to this point, Boaz was calling her daughter because he was representing the Father, God the Father, and wanting to invite people into that relationship where they could begin to know Him in a deeper way. Are y'all all right? Yeah. <laughs> y'all got so serious on me. I really want to tell you this as an invitation from the Father at the threshing floor for people. There really is. There's an invitation from the Father to say, there's more. I don't care how far you've gone with God this morning. I don't care who you are. Me. That the invitation stands for me. I'm saying I'm the first in line. Byron, there's more. There's more. What you have experienced so far is not all of it. There's more. There's more to know. There's more to experience. There's more revelation. There's more heavenly experiences. There's more revelation in the Word. There's more dreams. There's more visions. There's more of my love that I want to share. I want to make it more real to you. I got more than you thought I had. All I've done in your life up to now was really good, but there's a lot more. And I'm inviting you into the lot more. And I think that's a lot what the new day is, the new beginning is to taking and going further with God than where we've been. I don't want to go back to where we've been. I want to go further. And I want to encourage you today. God is calling us up to the upward call. All of us. Everybody in this room, you're qualified to go further. You are qualified. You've been qualified. He's qualified you. And I want to convince you, if I could, to make you believe that, if I could open your head up and pour it in there and you'd believe it. But what Jacob said was prophetic up there. Jacob early. God is healing your past. There's some people in here, he's saying to you, I want to heal your past. You haven't let me. Let me heal your past. God is healing our minds. As a, as a man thinketh, so is he. He wants to heal the way you think. You cannot think right about yourself or anybody else until you start thinking right about him. And the only way you're going to think right about him is let him tell you how to think about him. And when he says, this is the way to think about me, it's his love, it's his enduring presence, you'll start thinking different about you and everybody around you. Okay? And, this, and the last thing he said, it was a new beginning. And I think if we can latch on to those things today in our hearts, you know, we can really have, have the more of, that God has for us. Yep. <laughs> I believe it. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you this right now. I believe it, but I'm not going to walk out of here and just leave my belief here. I'm going to walk out of here, and I'm going to go after it out there. It's easy to go after it here today. I want to go after it out there in my life, in my everyday life, in my relationships with people, in my relationship with Him. A deeper walk with, with Christ, a greater walk. So, why don't you stand? Well, wait a minute, let's do this.
Who feels like their past is not healed? Can you just get brave and stand up? You feel like you need a healing of your past. Stand up. You don't feel like your past is healed? Glory to God. This is an opportunity to get your past healed. Yes, sir. You know, when I read that thing, it was a few weeks ago that I read Mark's thing. I feel like when I read it, it made a lot of things come together for me. You know. I'm just going to pray for you. Thank you for standing up, by the way. I know it takes some courage to stand up. Trust me, you're the brave ones. And trust me, you're the wise ones. You know, you're willing to stand before the Lord. Lord, you see your people standing up this morning. Mm. And Lord, I want to declare healing this morning to them. I want to I agree with you that you're healing our past, Lord. And some of us have just gone through hell, Lord. And it's hard to get healed when we go through hell. Yeah, if you just want to get up and go lay hands on somebody, that would be awesome, awesomely wonderful. You don't have to, but if you just feel that in your heart or the person behind you, or, let's just speak healing over them. We'll just let this be our ministry team this morning, okay, Jen? Yeah, because you're standing up anyway. <laughs> this is our ministry time, okay? Father, we just release your healing right now, the healing of the past, Lord. Lord, I specifically want to declare over these low self-esteems in this room, people in this room that don't feel like they measure up, Lord, and they don't, they're not good enough. You know, uh, there's this thing called the ring of fire. It's the devil's ring of fire. And it starts out with inferiority. And inferiority leads to, believe it or not, let me tell you this, inferiority leads to pride. Inferiority leads to pride. If you have inferiority in your life, you will get into pride over it. That's how the enemy tricks you. Pride leads to disobedience. That's how the devil got in trouble. He became prideful. Pride leads to disobedience. And disobedience leads to more inferiority. It's a cycle. It's a wicked cycle. Round and round you go. You know, a wicked cycle that God wants to free you from this morning. He wants to set you free. The Father wants to set you free. The Father wants to go in there and pull that kernel a lot, that light of you this morning and free you where you'll feel loved and you will feel that you are truly lovable and that you truly belong. And Lord, we ask you to do that right now in Jesus' name. We ask you for your healing power to come into these hearts this morning. Come into these minds. Do what you said you were doing. You were healing this, this day, Jesus. You're healing. We ask you to heal. You're the healer. We speak healing. We speak life. We speak love this morning. Let your Father's hand come down now on your children. And may their past be healed.
may their past be healed. May they no longer be tethered to their past, their past failures, their past successes, their past sins, their past failures, but they get free today, Lord, and begin to walk in triumph, Lord. The Bible says, Blessed is the man who's, who the Lord does not count their sin against them. Blessed is the man who the Lord doesn't count your failures, your past, all of that. You're blessed today because the Lord is declaring all of that is under the blood of Jesus. He died to set you free. He died to set you free and give you a future and give you a hope. To give you a new beginning, to touch your mind and your thinking will shift and change. Because the spirit of truth is entering your mind right now and bringing new thoughts, new feelings to your mind. And you will begin to think differently. You're going to begin to think about God differently. You're going to begin to see God differently. Your eyes are being opened to see Him as He truly is, not what you thought and not what your circumstances said. Just, just invite that spirit of truth. Allow the spirit of truth into your mind. I didn't say this Friday night when Tommy McCraw prayed the spirit of truth over us. I saw the spirit of truth walk into people's minds. I saw him step into some people's minds. I saw him step into my mind. The spirit of truth come into our minds today. Heal our minds. Fix our thinking. Correct us. Remove the lies. Remove the lies that we're believing. Help us to see our past as you see it. The scripture in Isaiah says the, the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. God's presence is going to come and overshadow your past. God's presence is going to begin to rest on your past. You are going to begin to see your past through the presence of God. It's going to look different. It's going to feel different. Because His presence is going to rest on your past. Lord, we release that right now in Jesus' name. Just release it. And Lord, you're going to bring a new beginning, a new day. Well, I heard a word that was given to this church by Bobby Connor back a few, few months ago. And he said this year was a year of surprises. And I was saying, well, what kind of surprises? Well, I got surprised. I got a baby. Well, that was a surprise. It seemed like it could have been a negative thing, but I saw the hand of the Lord. We had a close friend of ours have a big surprise, but I'll let them tell you about it later. But it is a time of surprises where God is declaring that He's going to surprise people. And if it seems negative, God's in it. God will make it work for you. God will make it work for you. It's not negative. Don't believe the lie. Lord, release surprises. You said this is the year of the heavenly surprises. People would get surprises. Things would happen. We're asking for Holy Ghost surprises. Lord, those loved ones that we prayed for earlier that were out, surprise us with their return. I believe the Lord said He wants to surprise people in their finances. We declare financial breakthrough. Surprises. We thought we were busted, Lord. You're going to surprise us.
We're not busted at all. I want to say this. I believe there's at least two people in this room that God is saying you, that you're going to surprise this congregation because you are going to get on fire for God and God is going to use you in a significant way. There's at least two people that God has said, I'm going to, and you're like kind of people that you wouldn't think that, but I see at least two people. If I were you, I'd be saying, Lord, I'm one of those people. I don't, I don't know about the other one. I'm, in, I'm telling the Lord that I'm one of those people. I don't care. I don't care, Lord. I'm one of those people. You're going to surprise and use. I just want to say a new day means new anointing. It means new authority. It means new relationships. It means a closer relationship with the Lord. Now, you need to agree with that if you want that. <laughs> we just agree, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hmm. Jacob said something else that I felt like was important this morning during worship. This, he said the password is th being thankful, right? I believe that's a very critical word in this hour. The password. Thank you, Lord. 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 I declare the password. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I honor you, Lord. That's Romans 120. That's what he said, Romans 120. It's really important. I thank you, Lord. Beauty for ashes, Lord. All of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Thank you, Lord. Feel free to stay and feel free to go.